What's up, everybody? I'm Mike Wilson with Any Hour Services, and we're proud to help bring you this podcast. If you ever need a resource for information about your home's electrical, plumbing, heating, or air conditioning system, you can find Any Hour Services on Facebook, YouTube, or online at anyhourservices.com. At Farmers Insurance, we have concrete evidence that parking under an industrial cement mixer, that's just asking for trouble. Seen it? Covered it. Click for more. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Underwritten by Farmers Truck Fire Insurance, Exchanges, and Affiliates. Products not available in every state. This is another episode of our Innovation and Leadership series where we interview pro athletes, world-class musicians, CEOs, Hollywood filmmakers, and a wide variety of other high achievers. Before we get rolling, I want to invite you to get involved with Child Rescue, the charity our founders started. To learn more about them, just come to our website, iCollective.co, and check on the Child Rescue tab on our menu. Also, I want to talk to you about one of our show's sponsors. I met these guys back on episode six. CEO Zach Smith was telling me all about starting a skateboard company and how much he hated doing the bookkeeping uh, for a skateboard shop and how he really uh, got led to start this business, Bookly, that's a hybrid combining bookkeeping software and human services. And I'll tell you why I let him become a sponsor. It's because I use their service now. I don't love paying 50 bucks an hour for bookkeepers to do stuff that I know software could do way, way cheaper, but uh, I don't love bookkeeping at all, so I want a real live human who knows what they're talking about to help me with the stuff I don't understand. Uh, probably the straw that broke the camel's back for me, though, the thing that put me over the top was that they could do my taxes and payroll also. Um, so totally suggest checking them out. Go to their website, bookly.co, and check out their flat rates. I've been super happy with them. So now on to today's episode. Welcome to Ideation Collective. I'm Jess Larson. Today we're continuing with our Funding Lab mini-series with my securities lawyer co-host Josh Soloway. Um, this week we've got Devin Thorpe. Uh, Devin is a multifaceted individual. He had a NASD regular, regulated uh, broker-dealer, raised $100 million for other companies. He's in a Ford's Magazine contributor. He runs multiple websites, crowdfunding expert. Um, Devin, I can't cover your whole list. Can you jump in and just give us maybe 10 of 10 of the things that uh, you do here writing the books and everything? <laughs> I don't, I, we probably don't need to cover 10, but you know, I, I, I'm fortunate to have some fun things that uh, I've been able to do. So yes, I ran the uh, investment banking firm that I launched for about seven years. Uh, and uh, I've been the CFO of uh, a global food and beverage company. That was a fun job. Uh, uh, but uh, as you mentioned, I am a Forbes contributor and really work uh, pretty much full-time as a, a journalist these days covering uh, social entrepreneurship, impact investing, and philanthropy. Um, I write about crowdfunding uh, on Forbes and at uh, goodcrowd.info. I've written a book about crowdfunding called Crowdfunding for Social Good. Uh, I have... Um, uh, created some courses at Pluralsight uh, on crowdfunding that may be helpful to those who are looking to do some crowdfunding. Uh, there's a, a course on, it's sort of a beginner course uh, on uh, traditional crowdfunding, donations and rewards, and then a more advanced course on uh, Jobs Act crowdfunding. So I think, uh, anyway, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, I'm afraid, artifacts that I've left on the internet. I hope uh, some of them are valuable to people. <laughs> well, um, why don't we jump right into it um, for, for other people who maybe haven't listened to our previous episodes. Um, and by the way, I think we should cover 
uh, you're a prolific podcaster. Don't you have like 475 episodes or something so far? Yeah, I, uh, I've, I posted about 475 episodes of the podcast, uh, but there are another 300 or so episodes uh, that I produced only on YouTube. Uh, but uh, so, so the total, uh, if you go to my YouTube page uh, for my show, is nearly 800 episodes now. Uh, that's, a, that's a lot of hooks out in the ocean. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's well, right. Well, listen, I think, you know, uh, there's a lot of, specifically on the crowdfunding side, there are, um, and we're talking equity crowdfunding, not not Kickstarter rewards people. We're talking about raising money so you can have investors for your company. Uh, there's a lot of people who maybe get the sales pitch, you know, our portal is so awesome, just list with us and pay our commission and, and we'll help you raise this money. Um, in reality, I think my personal position is you want to work with the best portal you can, but, but you want to be doing your own work to be driving traffic there. Um, I think one of the most, one of the first things that we could talk about is a strategy that's been very good for you. Um, will you talk a bit about ideas you have for entrepreneurs doing like content marketing, trying to drive traffic, you know, staying within the SEC guidelines, but uh, specifically with virtual assistants and, and help from around the world? Well, you know, there's a, a, a lot in that question. Certainly, let me let me suggest that uh, uh, Josh can give us a lot of good uh, counsel on the boundaries and limits. But certainly, creating content makes a lot of sense, uh, and there are a lot of great tools for helping you develop ideas. Um, uh, if you just uh, Google, uh, you know, headline tips, uh, that's a great way because. Uh, uh, there are a lot of uh, little headline generators out there. There are several of them that are pretty good, and and uh, you can put in a keyword uh, related to your business or expertise, and then it'll help you generate uh, headlines related to that. You know, so you, if you put in uh, vacuum cleaners as your as your area, uh, you know, it could it would give you uh, ideas to talk about how to buy and sell vacuum cleaners, how to repair, you know, anyways. So you, you'll find with just a little bit of coaching that if you have a, a real expertise, it's not hard to start generating content. Um, there is, I think, from, from my reading in this space, I think there's a really good reason to try to put out some fresh content each week. There are a lot of different places to put content these days. Of course, you can create a blog in a traditional sense with, uh, uh, you know, on on any of a number of different platforms. WordPress, of course, is extremely popular. But uh, more and more people are uh, blogging right on LinkedIn and on Medium, uh, where you don't have as much branding. But there are uh, inherent improved social features. So uh, you don't need to spend a lot of time necessarily building a, uh, a platform in the sense of the technology. You can just start using uh, LinkedIn or, or Medium as a way to start sharing your content and driving people to you know, pay attention to you. Uh, and you can put a link to your business uh, website in in all of your posts. So that's um, you know, in terms of of generating content, I think it's a really 
important idea. Uh, I don't think anyone, certainly no one in the small business space, has saturated uh, their market. You know, I've published this tremendous, annoying amount of content. Uh, and, <laughs> you know, it. the fact is, I figure that um, about 10% of the economy is in the nonprofit space. And another 10% of the economy is close to that. People like you, Jess, that have nonprofit causes that they're actively engaged in, even though they may do something for profit in their day job. So, so 20% of the uh, population, and if the population of employed Americans is 150 million, there are probably 30 million Americans, uh, and probably at least that many uh, people around the world who speak English well enough and are interested in those topics. So my market for my content is 60 million people, and at most, at most, uh, you know, I've got a book that's been read a million times. I've got uh, um, some content on Forbes now that's been read uh, uh, 300,000 times. You know, it's, but the fact is I probably have of the 60 million people I could reach, there are probably 58 million I haven't reached at all yet, even once. And only a tiny fraction of the 2 million people I've reached are regular readers. So there's just so much more to do. So it's hard to, in my opinion, it's hard to produce too much content. Uh, very few people are, are at risk of having produced too much. You know, and I think something that you're assuming there um, because of the way you do things but should be brought up is that um, a post is not, you know, all content is not created equal. And uh, I know that you do research and you actually have a position to stay you know, a position to state. And uh, I think that there is, unfortunately, sometimes a confusion between activity and progress. And we get a fair amount of fluff that so people can check the box of I posted something mm -hmm. rather than actually getting something to say. And I think that's one of the reasons that, you know, organizations like Forbes want you for them is that you're not just reposting fluff. You've actually got something to say. Um, thinking about your own entrepreneurial background, though, um, can we start with, you know, you, you've done quite a number of things. You went to Cornell um, as before getting going. Um, thinking specifically about this, you know, helping raise $100 million, what kind of lessons do you feel like um, entrepreneurs who, who don't have that kind of experience could benefit from? What do you feel like you really took away from those years of, of helping raise money? Well, we, you know, we did uh, a lot of transactions in uh, – both raising capital and helping people sell their businesses. So we saw both sides of that uh, life cycle, and uh, it, was a, it was a lot of fun. And I think those, the perspective that comes from being a part of both ends of the spectrum, that is raising money for startups and also helping people sell their businesses, is, is uh, helpful. Um, and you know, I think the... Keys for startup um, are, have evolved, and and that's one of the exciting things about watching uh, really what's happened in the entrepreneurship space over the last twenty years. Twenty years, it was all about a business plan. Uh, venture capitalists expected you to deliver a big uh, business plan at some point in the diligence process, not up front. They didn't want to read 
a 60-page business plan or a 100-page business plan on the first date, but they wanted to see that eventually. Today, they don't, uh, and with good reason. One of the things we've learned is that it isn't the business plan that is going to uh, prove whether you've got something or not. It's that early traction, and and that early traction – coming back to the content a little bit, can even be demonstrated just by your being able to talk about what you're doing and having people excited about what you're developing, what you're planning to do. So it, uh, the, the thinking, uh, this, you know, you're, you're young enough, Jess, that you probably don't remember those days when everybody was writing 50 and 100-page business plans and, and uh we worked on those a lot. We, we sometimes got paid a fair bit of money just to write business plans. And uh, it was really, uh, in hindsight, uh, I think we've all learned that that was just not productive time. The, the new emphasis on uh, lean startup models involving uh, getting uh, sort of a minimum viable product to market and finding ways to get that tested in the marketplace, uh, those are so critical uh, and and all the emphasis now in the entrepreneurship world in the in the investment world is focused on those ideas, uh, and that is I would say almost universally a good thing. The the only exception to that uh, I would point out is that there are some things that just take uh, so many years and so much money to develop that you can only uh, make investment decisions the old school way. And I hope someone's still out there doing that for those kinds of things. Yes, uh, there are certainly many uh, ventures that are exactly that, that can be uh, uh, you know, both challenging and exciting. You've got to find the right investor and all that. Um, you know, along the same lines as, 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 as hearing about your experience, obviously, working with companies, um, we, we always like to dive into the journey, the experience, the sort of story, if you will. Of, uh, of of guests, particularly guests who have diverse backgrounds, uh, and, and it's interesting. You know, you often find out uh, that even people who you wouldn't have expected to have quite an entrepreneurial journey have a very interesting entrepreneurial journey. So, can you tell us a little bit about uh, your your career and where where Devin Thorpe kind of came from, and uh, as you moved into finance, how you got there, how you got into the into the media side of things. Uh, you just take us through that? Sure. You know, my, my career is uh, interesting, um, unusual, um, but uh, I, as a, I'll go back to the beginning. Uh, holy cow. Uh, so, so back in the 80s, uh, I got a job while I was in college just to, to pay the bills that actually turned out to be a, a wonderful uh, job where I really learned a lot, but I was uh, working at American Savings and Loan during the worst real estate market until 2008. Uh, during the what a few people my age and older will recall was the we, we called it the savings and loan crisis. Uh, but um, my job was to foreclose on people and sell their homes, and that is oh. a horrible, sad. Thing to have to do, um, and but back in that era, uh, it was a little different than it is today. In that, um, 
the loans I was foreclosing on were not um, in any way um, predatory. Uh, but what had happened is that there had been there was a real uh, crash in the oil economy, and uh, a lot of savings and loans, like the one I worked for, had, had made a lot of investments in that economy. And so we were foreclosing on people. And it was an interesting way to start my career because it was sort of grown-up finance, but it allowed me to see the, some painful things. It's interesting. Most of my colleagues from, the, from those days made their careers after that point. Most of us were young. Most went on to have a real estate career, some quite successful. But I took an interesting lesson from my experience there that real estate values go up and down just like the stock market. And the leverage in real estate can mean that you can get wiped out just as easily or more easily in real estate. So I actually shied away from real estate as a career. Uh, when I left there, I went to Washington, D.C., and I, I uh, took an internship on the Senate Banking Committee staff and um, – uh, was able to parlay that into a permanent position on the staff and stayed for a couple of years there working for uh, Senator Jake Garn on the banking committee staff. Great experience. It was a tremendous opportunity to take what I'd seen at a micro level at one savings and loan and then look at the U.S. financial system. I then went on to Cornell and got an MBA and was able to study what I'd been doing at the uh, – U.S. Senate Banking Committee, and then also what we were doing at the bank. And so it really was uh, a culmination of that finance experience. But I left uh, Cornell and made a really strategic blunder. Uh, no two ways about it. But I got in my mind that I, I didn't want to go to New York. Well, of course, all the great finance jobs are in New York. I don't know if you've ever noticed that. Uh, and so if you want to launch your finance career but don't want to go to New York, your options are much more limited. And I ended up uh, in that uh, limited boat. And I so I came back to Utah without a job and launched uh, a mortgage company with a couple of old friends from the, the bank. Uh, did that for a year, um, left and joined um, a little investment banking firm where I got some great experience, uh, but it was a tiny shop. We weren't doing enough deals, and uh, so I looked for new opportunities and ended up quickly becoming the treasurer of a public company called USANA. That was a tremendous experience to be in a public company environment, to spend time on Wall Street, and that was really the era where it became clear to me that I had made a real blunder. <laughs> Because I was talking to all these investment bankers and realized that I was every bit as smart as they were. Um, not that they're especially smart or that I am, but just that they're not. Um, and I could keep up and uh, became clear that um, mere mortals work on Wall Street. And uh, so from there, uh, uh, I... After that, I started my, my own investment banking firm. And had a lot of fun with that, did a lot of great transactions, uh, but quite frankly, not enough great transactions. Uh, if I had compressed seven years worth of revenue into five years, uh, it would have been just fine. 
but spread over seven years, it was just not enough. And so we finally decided to fold the tent and move on to another thing. And I spent a year with the state of Utah and then became the CFO for a global food and beverage company. And that was really a fun experience. But when I got fired from that, I decided to shift gears and channel kind of a a youthful enthusiasm for doing good in the world. And I wasn't quite exactly sure what I was going to do, but first my wife and I went to China and spent a year there. And I wrote a book while I was there called Your Mark on the World. And when I came back, I, I decided to pursue that, being an author, writing about good things as a, a career. And it quickly uh, I, I started writing for Forbes shortly after that, and 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 over time, I started. I stopped calling myself an author and started calling myself a journalist. Um, and throughout all of this, uh, you know, one of the things that anybody who does those things knows is that it's difficult to make a living off of uh, journalism in this day and age when so many people are being fired uh, from their journalism jobs and newspapers around the country are in trouble and. They're trying to reinvent themselves with smaller staffs. And uh, being a, an author also doesn't pay especially well. So I, I work as a, a um, speaker. So I have stories that I tell and travel around the world telling people about uh, crowdfunding and corporate social responsibility and how we can change the world and make it a better place. So that is, I'm afraid, a very long answer to your question about my career. No, it's good. The stories are, you know, what connect people. And, and that's why we ask that question, because uh, everyone who's an entrepreneur lives their business. You know, my dad told me when I when I went out on my own, you know, he said, because he was an entrepreneur, uh, well, you know, be ready. When you're an entrepreneur, you live your business. That's just the way it is. You don't Home is not a safe haven from from the office. Right. It, it, it travels with you. Um, that's right. And so all of our – anybody who would, who would listen to, to, to shows on entrepreneurship, <laughs> presumably in, free, in their free time, clearly is in that boat. And that's a lot of our audience. So we like to get that story. And, uh, and, and it's worthy uh, uh, to cover uh, you know, um, and contextualize all the, all the things that we talk about here. Um, but I think you hit on and you ended with a really important point. And you, uh, I know on your site you, you have – your mission right up front, which I think is so great. And so many of us should, should do that. You know, um, you know, is this sort of the genesis of the mission to solve some of the world's biggest problems before 2045 by championing the work of change agents who will do it? Is that the, is that sort of that era? It sounds like in China is where that, that was was sort of the seed. Um, How do you look at what's happening in the worlds of finance, or maybe conscious capitalism, or what have you, as uh, moving us in in that direction, and how does that impact your work and the uh, in, that you're even doing, and how you view the crowdfunding space, for example? Well, it's it really is a, an exciting time to be alive, and and clearly we are uh, in the scope of human history at an interesting point because it's almost certain that over the next 30 years, we will eliminate uh, completely extreme poverty. Uh, People may experience extreme poverty on occasion, but it will be transitory. Um, Refugees fleeing a conflict or something, but we we won't generally see uh, large swaths of the population living um, hand to mouth, 
without food security, et cetera, et cetera, that that will be gone. Um, and it's disappearing remarkably quickly. Uh, in my lifetime, we've gone from having about 60% of that pop of the world's population living in abject poverty to less than 10% now. Uh, and, and that is a remarkable, remarkable, exciting story. And so I want to, I want to not just cover that. I want to be a thoughtful follower and um, an advocate for the people who are actually making the big differences in that space, uh, because there are these big uh, social problems uh, from global warming to um, uh, child uh, trafficking. Uh, you know, there are all these problems, and and I'm convinced that like poverty. Many of these can be solved uh, that, that we have I, – I think we've sometimes accepted that disease and uh, uh, violence, and war and all kinds of things are just inherent in the human condition. I'm not so sure. I mean, clearly, they are, are problems that we've had with us forever. But uh, as we grow as uh, – a human population in terms of collected and collective wisdom and insight, we should be able to overcome problems. Uh, one of the things that is exciting to me is that I've been closely following for the last three or four years the 30-year war on polio. Uh, polio used to uh, paralyze uh, three or 400,000 people a year. Uh, so far in 2016, 25 people, exactly 25 people in the whole world have had polio. And it's entirely possible. In fact, it's likely that the last person to ever have polio has already had it, that, 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 will, that no one will ever get polio again. Now, it didn't just happen. It, it's been one of the largest global efforts on anything ever in the history of the world. Uh, I think there are at least 10 million people working uh, part or full time on polio eradication around the world. Uh, it's a hugely expensive effort and it's going to pay tremendous dividends because once polio is eradicated, we don't have to immunize kids against polio anymore. We don't have to treat the survivors of polio anymore. Uh, it, it will be a completely, completely different world. And the model that polio eradication created for how we solve big world problems is compelling because we can apply a lot of those principles to things as diverse as uh, poverty eradication and uh, the AIDS epidemic. So it's, it is an exciting time. And uh, my little piece of this is to help identify people who are doing good things that make sense, that advance the cause and advancing their work. You know, I'm really happy to have you bring that up. I, um, I think I've got a guest for you for, for one of your episodes. Uh, there's a woman who used to run Child Rescue for us that um, she was on our show a little while ago named Lindsay, Lindsay Hadley. I got to go over to Perth, Australia when she was with the Global Poverty Project. She had a big concert with John Legend and they teamed up with um, Chuggum that was happening there and Bill Gates and helped raise $118 million 
to eradicate polio. And uh, for me, it was really how I learned about that. Um, the, uh, the thing, like this idea that it could literally be eradicated, something that, you know, a generation ago, like my grandpa's generation was a huge issue, right? Yeah. Affecting so many to literally like have the chance of it never happens again anywhere. Um, you know, Josh's cousin, Dare Eric, who's, who was on the show also, her work with the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, working on the similar thing. It's, it really is, um, again, it's something that's so close. It just needs that extra help to get over the hump and get finished, right? Yeah. Lindsay's great. She's been on my show a couple of times. Oh, really? Oh, great. Yeah. Um, Dara was on Jess's show talking about, uh, about um, eliminating TB, which is another one of these things that people forget is still a problem. Yeah. But concerted effort and people like you shining a spotlight on it makes that progress uh, you know, happen quicker. Well, listen, I think this is a great place to end part one. Um, please tune in to our next episode. We're going to ask Devin about uh, things like covering Elio Motors, raising $27 million and, and some of the crowdfunding successes, as well as more about uh, impacting the world for good. So thanks for listening. We're going to cut off part one of the interview there in the interest of time. We've had feedback that people would rather have 20 to 30 minute episodes so we're going to break the interviews in half please check back tomorrow for part two of the interview and as always come to icollective.co for show notes and to learn more about child rescue go to the menu and, and look at our child rescue page and see if that's something that you'd like to get involved with thanks for listening Now's the time to find your color, your paint, and everything to get started during red, white, and blue savings at the Home Depot. Transforming your room is easier than ever. With the best deals online and in-store, you can confidently select your color and the tools for your next paint project. Get a colorful new experience and the right paint for the right price. Save $10 on one gallon and $40 off three and five gallons for a limited time only at the Home Depot. More saving, more doing. Limit 25 gallons per household. See store for details.